Test, test, test. Can I get a little more? Test, test. Test, 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 test. It says it's on. Test, test, test. Test, test. There we go. Test. All right. Give one more high five. Find your way back to your seat. High five. <laughs> All right, all right. All right, well, good. Whoa, there you go. Now we're really cooking. <laughs> good morning. It's the voice of the Lord. Come on, find your seat. Hey, what? Ding, 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 ding. It's, uh, it's so great to be with you all today. We, together, are going to get into the Word of God. Come on. Yeah, come on. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jesus, for the living Word of God. So if you have a Bible or a device that you like to follow along with, we encourage you to get it out. We are going to be in the book of Revelation chapter 5. Um, we are in a series about the coming of the Son of Man. And I have really, really good news for you. If you didn't know, Jesus is coming back. <laughs> He's going, he came once, but he will return and stay forever. And the Bible calls this our blessed hope. It is our hope that Jesus will come and he will make all things new. He will make all the wrong things right once and for all and eradicate uh, the power of death, hell, and sin, which he has already overcome, but he will eradicate it from the planet once and for all. Hallelujah. What a glorious day. If you know him, you will be there. Hope is... And our hope is not in vain. It's not about a circumstance. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus. And it's real. He's real and he's constant. Just like peace is not about a circumstance. Getting what you want right in life or things to go your way is not true peace. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you have hope. And you have peace regardless of the circumstance you may find yourself in at this very moment. We have hope today because we have Jesus. We have hope for tomorrow because he will return. Hallelujah. So we have been reading in the book of Revelation. And uh, we've been through the first three or four chapters. Last week we looked at chapter 4 where it's the ancient of days on the throne. And it's beautiful and it's glorious. And today... We'll be turning the page to chapter 5, and as we look to the Word of God, and we remember and anticipate the return of Jesus, let's just come before the Lord in prayer again, and again, and again. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that it's living, that it's active. We ask today for a spirit of wisdom. We ask for your Holy Spirit to bring revelation to our hearts 
Help us to see what we can't see on our own. Help us to understand Jesus in ways that we haven't understood him before. Come with the supernatural power of God upon the word of God in the name of Jesus. If you agree, say amen. 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 So I'm going to actually read to you the whole of chapter 5. Now, we did this last week with chapter 4. Now, that may not be the norm sometimes, but it is a blessing to you. Did you actually know that the book of Revelation starts with a promise that blessed are those who read, hear, and keep the words in this book? Not just in the whole Bible, there's a blessing for that, but Jesus declares what he declares about no other portion of Scripture, that for those who take the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus, and hear, read, and keep the words, there is a blessing. So you're welcome. I'm doing you a favor this morning by reading it so that you can hear it. And if you really want to be blessed, so read it for yourself and then keep what's written therein. And to keep it means to apply it to your life, to live in accordance with the words that are written here. Plot, uh, chapter 5 of the book of Revelation is amazing. It's where the, the plot sort of thickens. Like um, in chapter 1, Jesus shows up to his friend John, and John is, you know, so taken aback. In chapters 2 and 3, Jesus speaks his love letters to the church, the seven churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. In chapter 4, he tells John to come up here and takes John up in the spirit where John gets to see what is present tense reality in the heavenly realms. Uh, you got to hear that one if you weren't here. Um, and immediately, in the wake of John being uh, awestruck and inundated with the heavenly realm, seeing the Ancient of Days on the throne in all of his majesty and glory, comes chapter 5. It's where the plot thickens. And if you've been walking with us, this should be so in- invigorating to your, your spirit. Because we're made for story. We're made for his story. Do you ever realize that? I was, I was struck with this reality. Uh, we are going to get to it, I promise. But, um, you know, I, we read these, these books. We read with our daughters. Both of our daughters are avid readers. That, that's what I want to say. Um, and our youngest, she likes to read, but she also likes us to read to her. And she's got into this series about these warrior cats. And it's actually really captivating. Like, I want, I'm like, i got to see what happens. Um, and then uh, with my older daughter, she's an, always has been an avid reader. And she's just started reading so many different books. So, like, I've decided that it's probably wise that I check out the content. So, the books that she wants to get from the library. And so, I'm like, I need to see that. Before we check it out. And so, you know, I'll flip through them, kind of check them for content, for language, for stuff like that. And, and then every once in a while, it's like, nope. <laughs> uh, but uh, then I, I was checking one she was reading at home. I'm like, I don't remember this one. I'm like, I need to know what you're reading. And so I start opening it. And as I'm like checking it for content, I'm like getting caught up in the story. I'm like, I, I like, I need to read this whole, whole book. Uh, one of them I actually did from um, two-thirds to the end uh, just because I, I got caught up in the story. And I, I don't get to read uh, fiction stories much. Um, you know, if you're a parent, you understand. Um, but we, and I was just like, what is that that just draws us in? It's because we're made for story. And, and that's why we love to watch the movies, right, and see the story play out. We get, we get invested in it. What I want to tell you, what we're seeing, what God writes for us, what he explains to us through the book of Revelation is the grandest story of stories, and it is nonfiction. 
It is living reality. We are living in it, and we will walk in it. And so as we read this, I want you to understand that this is his story. It's our story. We're invited into the story, and every other story is just a pale reflection of the drama that will unfold under Jesus's and is unfolding under Jesus's leadership. Amen? Amen. Revelation chapter 5, reading the whole chapter. (laughs) Good. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Uh, And I saw, and if you don't have a Bible or something, we'll have it up here as as well. I think we've got slides for this. Revelation chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him, so again, Revelation chapter 4 just happened where it's ancient days on the throne, okay? Ancient days on the throne. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a straw angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Plot thickens, drama intensifies. So I wept much. Because, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. I'm going to read the whole thing and we're going to talk about it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open or to read the scroll or to look at it. But, verse 5, one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, verse 6, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders, all that's in chapter 4, stood a lamb. Oh, I thought it was a lion. Stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And you'll notice that Revelation is, has a lot of symbols but explains itself. I just want to point that out. Oh, there's the seven horns. Oh, but that, the seven eyes, that's the spirit of God. Oh, I can understand these symbols. Verse 7, he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So the lamb in the throne has come to take the scroll from the ancient of days. And now, verse 8, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. And they're singing this. I wish you could hear it. We will hear it. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, verse 11. And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. He's like, I can't, I don't even know how many are there. And thousands of thousands saying in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature, do you see how it's just like these concentric circles of worship breaking out from the living creatures to the elders and the angels to every living creature on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them are saying or singing blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then 
the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Amen. Man, isn't that incredible? If you see the scene, and there is so much here, I'll just disclaimer, there is, we are not going to be able to unpack everything here. We're going we're gonna to fly over it in a way that hopefully captures your attention to run with it with you and Jesus, to read this again and again and to close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, let me see what I can't see. Let me understand what I can understand. Let him take you on a journey of understanding about the one who is worthy. And that's the title of what we're looking at today, who is worthy. So let's just unpack it a little bit, shall we? And I know the Lord is going to be and probably already is speaking to you. So after being completely captivated, John before the the throne room and the one on the throne, the Lord lets him see the scroll that's in the hands of God. Now, we don't know if it was there before and he just didn't notice or if it just appeared, but suddenly he sees. Let's say by the Holy Spirit, his eyes are directed to see this scroll. And it says this scroll was written on the outside and the inside, and it was sealed up with seven seals. Now, to us, that's like not something we're super familiar with. So let's, let's talk about that for just a sec. So a scroll in the, um, the time of John's understanding, and specifically a scroll that was written outside and inside, was a very specific kind of scroll, a very specific uh, document. So uh, one that had writing inside is normal. One with writing on the outside and the inside is, is normally, typically, a title deed. You know what a title deed is. It represents ownership. If you have a house, you have a title deed uh, to your house or maybe to your car. And so it represents ownership. Who is worthy to take this title deed, the ownership of all creation? Who is worthy to take and unfurl it and execute God's perfect plan for all of creation, for all of mankind? Do you get it? What is in the hand of God in this moment is the answer to every crisis we face. And it is the resolution to every problem remaining in creation. It is that there would be one who could take it, open it, and make all the wrong things right. It's what all creation is groaning for. And that's why when he notices it, sees what it is, and the call goes out, who is worthy, the cry of every everyone living in that moment is there must be one because this is what we all long for. We all long for the resolution. We all long for the, the peace that passes all to fully inhabit creation once and for all forever. Does that make sense? The end to the tensions and ending to the longings and ending to the frustrations, the, ending, the end to the now but not yet is all contained in the scroll and it's in the Father's right hand and the call goes out Who is worthy to take it? Now, this is where you need to understand the idea of the seals, and maybe you do understand, but in medieval times, a scroll would be sealed with a seal, and normally messages, you may know, would go from kingdom to kingdom, and they'd they'd write on a scroll, and they'd seal it up, and the, the king would seal it with his insignia, and it said who it was from. And, and so it was like, you know, ratified. This is from this king, and I need you to take it to that king. And this seal rec- is only for that person to open. 
But this message is to be delivered and not open. This seal is to prove that no one else has touched it or tampered with it until it gets to its desired place. And so the fact that there are seven seals on it tells us that not only do you need one who is worthy to take ownership, but one who is worthy to receive this plan from the Father and execute this perfect plan on the planet once and for all. One who is worthy to open seven different seals. Now, that will be unfolded in the, the coming chapters. That Each of those seven seals releases certain activities of God in the earth that prepare it for the coming of Jesus. But it's, the cry goes out, this is what we all want, this is all we all need, this is what we all need. All creation is growing, all, groaning, all of human history and creation is, is pointed at this point. We must have the one worthy. And so the drama in this moment is so high. And it's sealed for the, that intended reader and recipient. Now, we sit here and we think we know, like, obviously, it's got to be Jesus. Right? It's got to be Jesus. But why? why? Why is he the worthy one? Why is he the worthy one? Is it simply nepotism? He is the father's son. He's going to take the throne. He's got no. There are specific realities that make him the one worthy to rule over the created order. And we're going we're to talk about that. But you just, I wanted to pause this so you see the, the, the desire, the height of desire and the height of tension. And why when it seems that none is found, why John is weeping. And weeping, there will be no end to our suffering. There will be no end to our sorrow. That's what's the weight of what he's feeling in that moment. And the Father wanted him to understand the weight of that necessary need so that he would understand the necessity of the right one to take the scroll and the right one to open its seals. Are you good? Can we keep going? So it seems that no one is worthy and found, but wait, verse 5, there is one. There's one, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. There's one who's found, who's perfect in holiness and power. And yet, he is a man. It was necessary because God made creation and he made man in his image, in his likeness. The one who would rule over created order forever would have to be a man. Would have to be a human being. And so Jesus, not just being the son of God, but having stepped down into creation to walk with us, to put on human skin like us. And he lives to forever in human skin. He will never take it off. He will forever be a man a human being just like you and me. Right now, as he's seated at the Father, he is a man, a human being, a God-man. And this is why he is worthy, not just because he is God, not just because he's holy, perfect, and powerful, but he's human. And who better, more worthy, more right to rule humanity for all of eternity than one who is us? In fact, there's no other way in the heart of God. But as a human man who is God, he is able to perfectly mete out not only the judgments and power of God, but to do so with the, the utmost tenderness 
and sympathy and kindness and understanding of our human frailty. You know why? Because he is us. That is love, the extent of love to identify him with us forever. And the Hebrews says, he has been made like us in every way and has been tempted in every way. Don't you think it changes things when you, when, if you have an idea of, say, God is on the throne and he's ruling over all and he's perfect in power and holiness, and we think of this glorious transcendent being, but there's this chasm of identity where we understand he is completely unlike us. But if you see one who is like you on the throne, then you know he will deal with rightly with you. No, obviously, God is good. God will always do what is just and right. But we begin to understand more fully when we see that he has humbled himself to become just like us, and we are more willing, more able, more quick to trust the one who has made himself like us. In all of his, when he comes, in judgment, and when he displays his mercy. Why is he worthy? And I love that. It says of him, you know, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. There's one worthy. There is a one who has conquered everything that stands in the way of God's perfect plan. One who has conquered forever the power of hell, the power of sin, taken the sting out of death. The one, the only, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. And so we go from weeping to there is one. And I love how John takes us through the drama of it. And so they're looking, well, where is this lion? And he says, and I looked, and in the center of the throne, I saw a lion. No, I saw a lamb. He is the lion, the conquering one who is the lamb, looking as if he had been slain, wearing the wounds of his sacrifice forever. This is how the Father shows Jesus, the worthy lion, the conquering lion, the worthy one, in the middle of the throne is that we would see, and all of creation and all of heaven would see and celebrate and understand forever that the lion is the lamb, that the lion became the lamb, that this is our story, this is our song, and he bears our wounds forever. Hallelujah. Isn't it beautiful? What he has done for us, the one who is found worthy, is the lion who is the lamb. He is the son of God who should take the throne, but he is also our worthy representative of humanity, the lamb, the one who took our place and bore the punishment of all sin, who went into Hades, conquered hell, conquered death, and has risen again. He is the worthy one. He is worthy because of his purity, but also because of his humility. We see this all the time in our natural world that leaders are often corrupted by the desire for power, 
or having impure motives. But this one, he is pure. And this one, he is absolutely right in all of his ways. And all of his motivations are from humble love. He's proven it once and for all. He humbled himself to the lowest place in obedience to the Father. Philippians 2 talks about it. He took the lowest place, humbling himself to become obedient to the Father, even his death. And so then, what does it make him worthy of if the the one who has the highest place takes the lowest place, he becomes worthy of the highest name? King Jesus. And it is his just and right reward that he would sit on that throne. But not just to have that throne, but to have you and me with him. He didn't just want a throne. He wanted you. He wanted you there forever. And not just bowing at his feet. He wanted you on thrones. Hello. Just as we talked about last week, the elders on the thrones, the humanity in the scene is enthroned, is crowned, is robed, and humbled himself forever to receive the reward of his obedient suffering to have you and me with him in the glories of the heavenly realm on earth forever. This is where it's all going. And I love that. This is why he's worthy, because he's humble. Because he is pure, because he is powerful, but also that he takes the lowly, you and me, and makes them mighty. It says here in the scripture we read, as they declare, as heaven declares the song back, you are worthy, our Lord and God. We should probably, let me just read it. He'd taken the scroll, they fall down, and they sing, verse 9, a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And he didn't just redeem us, because the song goes on. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign upon the earth. So though we may have been lowly, When Christ loved us, even in our sin, he loved us unto putting us on the thrones beside him. He didn't just redeem us from the pit. He took the lowly and made them mighty. And not just for a moment, but for eternity. We shall reign on the earth with him. That's where the story is going. Hallelujah. No wonder there's so much worship erupting around the worthy one. And he has redeemed us from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every language. And that really matters. Can we talk about it? See, he redeemed from every nation, tribe, people, and language because his everlasting kingdom is a beautiful kaleidoscope. Though he makes us into the image of God, the image of God is a beautiful kaleidoscope and mosaic of all of the languages, tribes, tongues, people, and language. I just want to take a moment right there and, and step aside from the story because his kingdom is our kingdom. And even though we're in the now and the not yet, we're always taught to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I, when I pray that, I pray, Lord, my heart first. Let your kingdom come in my heart first. 
And then come in my life and come in my family. And I just pray it that way in my neighborhood, in my city, in my state. Come let your kingdom come. But his kingdom is, is a multifaceted kingdom. And it's become a, a, a reality, it is a reality, but a, a stronger reality in me to want to live in the reality of the kingdom as much as I can on the earth. And I think that involves us surrounding ourselves with all the different kinds of people that we can find. As many nations, tribes, tongues, and peoples, and languages as you can find. And, and I'll be honest, why this has come to me is because we, we've been in an interesting place as a spiritual family. We're just going to bring it down to brass tacks for a minute. Um, you know, we've sent several people in the last season into different spaces, into different callings, to different states, into marriage, into here, into there. And we've had different people transition in different places. And we've been in a place where here we are, and we're family, and we say that we're family. But when I speak to people, sometimes they're like, well, there's just not, fill in the blank, enough of this kind of people. And, th- and they always have a reason. There's not enough if I could put it in my language, and, and everyone forgive me, just, just be patient for a moment. At the bottom line, it's like, there's not enough of me in the room. There, there's a lot of that, and there's a lot of this, but there's not enough of me. Um, because people, as the, the phrase goes, birds of a feather flock together. Right? We want to be with people like us. You know, like I want people that think like me and act like me and are in my stage of life. And I'll admit, that's easier right? Like, you understand me if you, you know, have a teenager and an elementary kid and, you know, your kids go to my school. Like, we understand one another, you know, and and that's great. There's nothing wrong with having friends, but the kingdom is way bigger. And I think there's something so beautiful about learning to love and relate to people that are so much different. And so I, I am passionate to see us continue to grow in stretching ourselves into relating in different places so that, like, you know, youth learn to relate to middle aged dudes like me. And so the college students learn to hang out with families, you know, and so that people of different ethnicities can feel comfortable relating to different ethnicities in the room. Now, we're just a small little family, but we can be all we can be, can't we? And so I'm passionate for that, and I just want to give you a tip, tip, tip my hat to you about a, a little thing uh, concerning this. One, to encourage you not to always think about who's like me and make sure I get to be with people more like me all the time, because the kingdom of God is so much bigger. So much more beautiful, so much better. And, and Jesus actually says that love looks like not just you loving the people that already love you. It, love looks like you loving people that don't look like you, people that don't relate to you easily. Pe- stretching yourself, humbling yourself, if you will, is what love looks like. And so we, we are actually um, hoping sometime this fall to, to create a, a new um, leadership core for this spiritual family, specifically with the goal of being diverse in representation of different ages, different stages, different ethnicities, so that within our spiritual family, every facet that the Lord will give us will have a voice. That's where we're going. That's who we want to be. But I want to encourage you in your own personal life to be doing the same. If you're here and you look around, you're like, there's not many people from my neighborhood. There's not many people in my stage of life. I'm, I'm retired. They're not. Or I'm working. They're not. That's the person I would encourage you, make friends. Around the throne, redeemed to God, men and women from every nation, tribe, people, and language. We could use a lot more of those too. 
I was a little aside, but I think it's important, really important for us. And so I don't want to just like read the scripture and pretend it's just over there because it's right here right now, right? So Jesus is the one worthy in the center of the throne, in the midst of all of this adoration, and he has redeemed us to God and made us kings and priests forever. That's so beautiful. And the angels and the living creatures respond to this astonishing plan with worship, power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, power to you. Because your plan is beyond my thinking. Your ways are beyond my thinking. And you're so much better than we all could have imagined. Holy, 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 even as we, we sang today, is this, is this song forever and is the nature of God. He is worthy because he is humble, because he's holy, because he is powerful. And there's so much more that could be said about this. But again, I said I wanted to fly over it, give you a taste and kind of bring it ap- ap- application to our lives. And so there's a couple other thoughts I want to bring. Similar to what I just said, we want to learn to engage the world we live in for, as a part of Christ's kingdom. To be his light on the earth, we, we want to learn to love like Jesus loves. But also, we have to ask the question... We see in this, this scene that all of heaven and even every living creature at one point will declare that he is the worthy one. But the question becomes for you and me today as we live in light of this reality now and not yet, the one who is here and yet is coming, is do you truly believe that he is worthy of your life? So if you imagine the scroll, the title deed in his hand, is the ownership of your life and every aspect of your life. And let's say you're the one holding it. Are you able to give that title deed of ownership completely into the hands of the one who is worthy? I'm not talking about a one-time commitment either. I bet most of you have prayed a prayer at one time. I bet most of you say you want to live for Jesus, but think about your life right now. What are you wrestling with? What things are not right yet? What are the things you wish you had solutions for or the things that you just wish you could get out of, the things you're trying so hard to change? Can you take, give ownership of those things into the hands of Jesus? Can you look at him and say that, Jesus, you are worthy to take leadership of my weak little life. You are worthy to be the Lord on the throne. You are worthy because you're holy, because you're good, because you're trustworthy, because you took the lowest place for me. I know I can trust you better than I can trust myself. With my finances, with my kids, with that strained relationship that just doesn't seem to get better. I know you are better able than I to be on the throne of that thing. Do you truly believe he's worthy? Will you give him ownership? Will you let him break open the seal on that thing and, and express the kingdom of God and express the goodness of God? Will you let him be the worthy one, the lion who is the lamb? Revelation 5 is, is God's glorious story, and, and it's a mystery, though. Not a mystery that God is in control, 
but that he will give control over all things to one man, Jesus, and to all of humanity. They will reign with him. When you release ownership to Jesus, you still have a part. You get to agree with the plan of God in your life. When you give him the title deed of your life for that situation or that circumstance into his hands, he will tell you, he will show you what his kingdom expression is, but you get to say amen. You get to agree. You get to walk in it. And I wonder if many times we don't understand that our saying yes might look a lot like having to humble our own selves to the lowest place so that we are worthy of the throne that he has prepared for us. The name that he has prepared for us eternally. Now I want to tell you the truth. You are worthy. Because he's made you worthy. He called you worthy by making himself the sacrifice. Did you know it? And he is making you worthy in the, the work of sanctification going on in your life right now. Giving you the opportunity to take the, the low place. Giving you opportunities day in and day out to humble yourself and to let him lift you up. You are worthy. But you have to know that you are. Not just that you're on the way, but you are. You're present tense because Jesus declared you worthy by his sacrifice. I just have to say this piece. Because there's, there's, there's a lot of talking out there that likes to talk about how bad we are. And sure, we make a mistake, but it isn't about our worth or value. And yes, without Jesus, wretched sinners we would be. But he didn't look at us and say, well, look at that piece of garbage. Because if that's what he saw, he would never say they are worthy of my life and death. Do you get it? There has to be an equal exchange. If Jesus, the Son of God, spilled all royal blood and had his pure holy body torn open, it's because he looked at you and said, you're worth it. You are worthy of this price being paid. You're worthy of my pure life being offered up as a sacrifice in your place. Do you get the difference? And I say that, I've said it before, but I say it because we all need to know the truth and let it break off self-hatred in our lives. We need it to break off the shame that we are carrying many times. Like, well, I've done this and I've done that. Well, it doesn't change your value to God. If you actually knew how worthy he counted you, it'd be much harder to sin that way again. If you actually understood how highly treasured you are to God, you'd be so consumed with who he is that sin would have no savor. You are worthy. There's a throne for you because you were worthy. You are worthy, and he's cleansed you forever and made you worthy. Let that reality today break off the shame. Let it break off the self-hatred. Because not only today is Jesus worthy, you are worthy of Jesus. We're going to stand together and wrap up today. Respond to the word of God. We're actually going to end with a 
a song. <laughs> 